Now I know what you're thinking, because if you've been at New Anthem for any duration of time, you know that I like to tease the soccer players, quite frankly, because they play soccer. But in this series, I'm giving the soccer players some love. I'm letting them get front and center because we're going to talk about the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And nothing is more fundamental than John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Even the soccer players, right? I mean, it's slightly paraphrased, but true story before we dive into this. The other day, Laura uh, and our kids were coming home from the YMCA and Layton told Laura, Mom, I want to play soccer. And uh, yeah, so Laura says, well, buddy, that's fine. We can, we can, uh, we can sign you up tomorrow when, when we come back to the Y. We'll sign you up for soccer. And Layton said, no. Dad doesn't like soccer. He won't want me to play. And, uh, which is true. I mean, that's, that's true. So Laura comes home and tells me that. And I was like, yeah, par- people told me this parenting thing was going to be hard, but I'm, we're winning at this, right? I was like, high five. She was like, no, no, you need to tell him that it's okay if he plays soccer. So like, well, you want me to lie to my, my kid? What are you talking about? She was like, you tell him it's okay if he plays soccer. Oh, all right, right? So I go upstairs, you know, sit down. Hey, buddy, uh, your mom and I just wanted you to know that uh, if you want to play soccer, that's okay. I mean, it's okay with me, but there's no, no problem. Whatever sport you want to play, I'm, I'm okay with that, man. He said, really? It's like, yeah. I was like, you just need to know I won't be at any of your games. So... Uh, <laughs> currently love Lana more than I love you, but I mean, if you want to play soccer, that's fine. I mean, do whatever you want, man. I'm totally, that's absurd. But fundamentals of the Christian faith. Where am I going with this? Every coach of any sport at every level knows that there are some fundamentals, some basics, some places that you have to start in order to teach the rest of the sport. And you have to continually practice those things. No matter if you're a pro or just a beginner, you've got to continually work on the basics and the fundamentals. And you need to remind yourself about that. And you need to continue to practice that. And so over these next few weeks together, we're going to explore what the Bible says about some fundamentals of the Christian faith because the same thing is true with your belief in God. You need to remind yourself of some of the things that God tells you about and what he wants you to do. And you need to practice and work on those things. And the emphasis here, the reason it's fundamentals is because they should be fun. Passage says that uh, this is the love of God that you obey his commandments and they're not burdensome. That God wants you to do what he wants you to do and it shouldn't be uh, life-sucking and demoralizing should be life-giving, the fundamentals of the Christian faith. So if you're new today or relatively new to the whole Christian faith, you picked a good Sunday to be here because we're going to start at the very basics. We're going to start where Jesus started. So let's take a look at this together. If you brought a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to look at Mark. We're actually going to look at two passages today. They're both in the New Testament portion of your Bible, which is towards the back of your Bible. Just look at some Look for some guys' names. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John is how it's going to go. Once you find Mark, you want the big number one. While you're getting there, you should know that there are four stories and books 
as they're called, in the Bible that record Jesus' life. They're sometimes called the Gospels, and that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, uh, Matthew and John were part of the original 12 disciples, the men that Jesus called to him and asked him to start following him. And Mark's an interesting cat because he wasn't part of the original 12. He actually grew up around Jesus, though. The Bible tells us his real name is John, Mark, and Jesus and the disciples would often gather at Mark's mom's house uh, and hang out. And so once Mark's old enough, he actually gets to travel around with a guy named Paul, and they plant churches all around the Roman Empire. Same with Luke. Luke was a physician, but he started following Jesus, was not part of the original 12 disciples, but he too went around with Paul and planted churches. You can read about uh, his, besides just in Luke, you can read about Luke's story. He kept a great journal. It's called Acts, book of Acts in your Bible. So here's why I bring that up, because we're going to read these two different passages, and you're going to notice that, that Mark says some things that Luke doesn't, and then Luke says some things that Mark doesn't, and why is that if they're just telling the same story? And it's no different than anything else that you might read, a, a sports column or a news story. I mean, these are, if two people are covering the same event, they have different personalities and different voices and different cultural upbringings, and they're writing about the same event, but they're seeing it differently because of all of those things. And the same thing is true here. Mark and Luke are different people, and God allowed them to use their voice and their personality through the power of the Holy Spirit to record these events. But again, they're different people. It's kind of like the old saying, there's two sides of the same coin. That's what we're going to read here in Mark. So let's read Mark's version of the story. Mark 1 verse 16 says, passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Thanks for clearing that up, Mark. That's, that's good. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, is that not super weird to anybody else? Some dude shows up, says, hey, just follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they do it. Like, what kind of Jedi mind tricks is Jesus doing? Like, these are not the droids you're looking for. What? Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. That is... Hey, I got a van over here with no windows and some candy. You all want to come follow me? Like, what are we talking? This is, this is insane. Did the parents never talk to these guys about following straight? In today's world, it would be, hey, I've got some super rare Pokemon over here. Uh, if you guys want to follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. If you have no idea what Pokemon are, congratulations. You are winning at life. Anyway. Who else is not following Jesus? In the, I mean, a weird guy in Birkenstocks shows up. Follow me. This is why we need Luke's version of the story. So turn to your right just a couple pages. Matthew, Mark, Luke is where you want to land. Luke 5. By the way, Mark's gospel is the shortest gospel, so if you're new to the whole Bible reading thing, start there. Uh, great, great place to start. Luke 5, verse 1. You there? All right, here we go. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the same thing as the Sea of Galilee. Hebrews called it the Lake of Gennesaret. Romans actually called it the Sea of Tiberias because of their emperor at the time. Other people called it Sea of Galilee. All the same thing. And he, verse 2, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. 
getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now that makes a little more sense, right? They, these men had got to hear Jesus preach. And then they got to see him perform a miracle. And that's when he says, Hey, come and follow me and I will make you fisher of men. Like many of us, these guys were drawn to Jesus because of what Jesus did for them. He showed himself to them. That's why in every movie you always see the people say, oh dear God, if you would just please show up, then I'll follow you. If you would just heal my spouse, if you would just fix my marriage, if you would just fix whatever it is, then I'll follow you. Well, in this case, that's what, exactly what happened. Jesus showed up performed a miracle, preached the good news, and these men followed him. But I love how Mark's version says this one line, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, Jesus commands us to be followers and fishers. Might jot that down. Jesus commands us to be followers and fishers. I'll say it this way. You can't be a follower if you're not fishing. Catch me? You cannot be a follower of Jesus if you're not fishing for men, giving them a life-transforming, gospel-altering reality that Jesus wants to change their life. If you're not inviting people to that, you're not actually following. These two things work hand in hand, following and fishing. But for a second, let's, let's split them apart. Let's talk about both things, following and fishing. What's a follower and what's a fisher of man? First of all, what is a follower? It is a born-again person. You're born again if you're a follower. Now, that's kind of a church term. It sounds weird. I totally get that. What does that even mean, born again? How can you be born? If you've already been born, you can't be born again. Remember how in Luke's account, Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Well, Peter was recognizing that he was in the midst of someone holier than he was. Peter realized there was something in his life that was keeping him from getting close to God and to Jesus. Let me give you an example of how this plays out in real life. I love music, and I love all kinds of music. I have a very eclectic taste. I love everything. Oldies, 80s rock, uh, even some like hip-hop and rap I'm okay with, e even country mu music, right? I'm, but 
But old country, I'm talking to old, like, like, like Johnny, right? Like Hank, I'm okay with that. Not this like new weird stuff that's not country, but they're calling it, that was part of the fall. Okay, that was sin entering into the world. That's how all that came about in case you're wondering. But uh, newer rock I like, alternative music, all of it. The blues, man, Stevie Ray Vaughan, are you kidding me? How can you not get fired up about that? Irish punk music, Flogging Molly, what? Yes, it's all, it's all in here. I know it, I love it. But really when I'm in my car, I listen to all these different kinds of music and I, I oftentimes don't pay attention to the lyrics or what's being said. I just kind of like what's happening and the tones and the instruments and all of that. I don't notice if there's profanity or sexual innuendo. I'm just kind of jamming out to music. But then you put my kid in the car. Now all of a sudden, I'm hyper aware of everything that's being said. And when a song comes on, I'm trying to run through in my mind the lyrics. Is, is this okay for my kid to be listening to? And oftentimes, you know, all of a sudden you hit that change button as soon as you hear a word and then you got to explain. I was like, no, that was a two-syllable word. It was combined. You misunderstood, child, what was being said there. But I'm trying to figure out, should Leighton and Lana be listening to this? What's happening in that moment? I'm aware of a holiness that supersedes mine. And I do not want to mess that up. The same thing is true in being born again. There is in Jesus a holiness way beyond what's in ourselves. We rarely recognize sin in ourselves, but when you put holiness in the room, when Jesus shows up, then it's easy to recognize this sin in your life. And until you realize, like Peter and every other Christian, that there is sin in your life keeping you from getting close to Jesus, then you'll never be able to experience the grandeur and love of God till Jesus makes himself known to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you'll never be able to get close and change your life for the better. You'll always be looking for something to take your mind off the fact that you're missing out. There's something short in your life. You're coming up empty. That's why Jesus says in John 3, 3, unless you're born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. So being born again is not about a physical rebirth. It's about a spiritual rebirth. The old has gone. The new has come. You're changed because of Jesus. Because he died on a cross and three days later rose from the dead. He gives you the power to beat sin and death. That's what Jesus is inviting Peter to. That's what he's inviting all of us to. So if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to recognize that there's sin in your life, that you're coming up short, and that you need a Savior. You need to repent of that sin, and then in turn you need to believe that Jesus rose from the dead to give you power over sin. But being a follower doesn't just stop there. Being a follower also means that you're pursuing Jesus. You're pursuing Jesus. You're constantly seeking God. You're taking next steps. You're maturing in this faith. You want to try and get more of God. You're chasing after God. You ever walked behind someone in the sand or in soft mud and their footprints are in front of yours and you sometimes might or in the snow you try and walk in their footprints. My kids love doing that when they follow me. I try and take really large steps so that they have to jump to get in my footprints. 
This is what it means to follow Jesus. That you see where he's gone. And you want to follow in those same footsteps. You want to get as close to him as you can. You want to walk where he walks. Step where he steps. Take a look at the way Jesus says this in Mark. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Greek word there for make is poieo. I put it in your notes. There's not a quiz on that. But it means to build, to create, to produce, to cause. So you can poieo food. You can make food. You can poieo a house. You can build it. You can, in the Old Testament, people used to uh, poieo altars. They would handcraft altars to God. This is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to build you. He wants to make you. He wants to equip you. He wants to handcraft you and mold you and shape you and help you discover your purpose. He's wired you a specific way, and he wants to have you use that for his glory and for your good. It's what Jesus is all about if you're a follower, working and making you more like him. It's not about you. It's why when you mess up, you shouldn't get discouraged. You should chase back after Jesus. Because he's the one that wants to work and shape in your life and continue to build you. And he's the one that points up that mess up so that he can fix it. Because he is the one making you. He wants to help you not to cast judgment. Notice something very important here. This is huge. Notice how Jesus didn't say, follow me and I will make you a better parent. Follow me and I will make you more disciplined. Follow me and I will make you more spiritual or smarter or a better spouse or a better student, a better athlete. Follow me. I'll make all your dreams come true. Follow me. I'll make you richer. Follow me. I'll make you more organized. No. He said, follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So once you accept that free gift of salvation from Jesus by being born again, and once you start pursuing him, and then the first thing that he tells you is that now you can't keep this information to yourself. You have to start telling others of the difference Jesus has made in your life. It's not about us. It's about him. We have to get the word out. I think the biggest travesty within the Christian faith as people get bogged down in the following part. They forget about the fishing part. They think Christianity is all about them and changing them, and that's certainly a part of it. But Christianity is not about you. If it was, then who would be God? Sounds an awful lot like you. God is about fishing for men. He wants you to get the news out. It's not necessarily him trying to make you into Mother Teresa. Again, you have to be a follower. And if you're not a fisher, you're not a follower. You've got to let people know about Jesus. He's the one shaping and molding you. So I'm always very skeptical about people who want to just impose all these rules onto your life when you become a Christian. What I'm seeing is you've got to be a follower and a fisher. And God is the one in charge of changing your life, not rules that people put in. Yes. Anybody else on that? All right. Let's drill down a little bit on what it means to be a fisher. Drop this down. A fisher extends an invitation. A fisher extends an invitation. Now, when you actually fish, like cast the rod, reel it in, fish, 
Do you catch a fish on every single cast? No. Okay? If you do, you're missing your calling on life. Go make some money, okay? You don't catch a fish every single time, but you keep throwing it out there. You keep fishing. It's sometimes the one you think you're least likely to catch that you end up catching. When Laura and I were dating, she took me out to this little pond that uh, I guess maybe she knew about or did some fishing. She was trying to pretend she was interested in the same things I was interested in because that's what you do when you're dating. There's just a whole lot of pretending, okay? So um, anyway, it didn't take long for Laura to get bored while we were fishing because she wasn't super interested in fishing. So she just like started putting her pole in the water and fiddling around and talking uh, to me, and you know, it's like, Landon, you're so handsome and beautiful and all that, right? I mean, I, I, so, totally kidding. But no, she was actually fiddling around in the water, not doing anything because she was bored when out of nowhere, a gigantic fish latches onto the pole. She yanks it, reels it. I brought a picture of this. This is real life, people. Look at that thing. Are you serious? That is the biggest fish I have ever seen in my entire life. She's wearing a glove. I, I totally get it. She you ain't going to touch the fish, right? I mean, she needed the glove. But nonetheless, reels in a gigantic fish. See, she had no in, intention of catching that fish. But she gave an invitation, extended the invitation over and over, and eventually she caught a gigantic fish. Listen, God might do that for you. But in the context of fishing for men, which is what he wants to make you into, if you'll just keep extending the invitation, you might think there's no way this person will come to church. There's no way this person will let me tell them about Jesus. Now I've become a pastor, people often will say, well, if you would just talk to my friend, they'd listen to you because you're a pastor. I'm like, no, if you'd just talk to your friend, they'd listen to you because you're not a pastor. You know how often I go up to people and they change their conversation as soon as I show up? It's like, uh-oh, here comes the pastor. Let's talk about something uh, like exegesis or the spiritual implications of the tabernacle, like change the conversation. More often, it's like, oh no, here comes the pastor. Hide the kids. Let's go. Like, turn the lights off. Right? Everybody stop breathing, child. That's more often of what people want to hear from you. Because you're in their life. I'm supposed to tell them about Jesus. It's my job. You need to tell them because you're in a relationship and he's changed your life. And God wants you to tell them. He's entrusted to you this message. There's somebody out there who if you'll just extend the invitation, they will listen to you. That's why a fisher isn't perfect, but rather perfectly positioned. Fisher's not perfect, but rather perfectly positioned because of their imperfection. In other words, because they're not perfect, God has positioned them to witness to someone else. You are perfectly positioned because of who you are, what you've gone through. Even though God might not have intended for you to go through that divorce, addiction, bankruptcy, no kids, kids, long-time Christian, brand-new Christian, whatever, you are perfectly positioned because of the things you've gone through, because of where you live, 
because of how old you are, because of what you do, you are perfectly positioned in someone else's life to be their fisherman. Look at Peter, Andrew, James, and John. We don't know much about them other than they're cleaning their nets and they're fishermen. They just came back from a long night of catching nothing. Who knows, they might have been on the verge of quitting fishing altogether. We don't know how many days they haven't caught anything. Could have been weeks, it could have been months. Because of that, they could have been cleaning, repairing their nets because they're going in an out-of-business sale and they're just trying to get rid of it all. They need to clean up the equipment before they sell it. And then they heard Jesus. And they heard him preach and tell the good news of God. And something about the message combined with the messenger and something about their current circumstances. At a critical juncture in their life, it all came together at the exact right moment. They left everything to follow Jesus. They were never the same. The Bible says that we've been entrusted this ministry of reconciliation, meaning something about God's message through you could combine at the exact right moment for somebody in a critical circumstance, for them to be born again. And then this whole process just gets to repeat itself. So I'm so passionate about you serving at New Anthem. It's not because I want something from you. It's because I want something for you. Jesus wants to make you into a fisherman, so I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Now, I'm in the context of a church, so I want you to serve in your church. I say this a lot. People, people think I'm joking sometimes, I think, but I'm not. You all could have church without me. We could not have church without you. You've got to start fishing for men, extending invitations. Get in a relationship with people. Help them discover their purpose. Help them discover God wants to change their life so they can be a follower and a fisher. Close with this, because this is huge. It's probably the biggest thing that I'm going to say in this message. So listen in tight. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They're really all of the disciples who have ever followed Jesus, them included. They all walked away from everything they knew in order to follow Jesus. Look at Luke 5.11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything, followed him. Circle star, underline, highlight, whatever you do in your Bible or in your notes, everything. Look at your neighbor and say, everything. These men left Everything in order to follow Jesus. They didn't count the cost. They knew that it was going to be worth it in the end to follow Jesus. Here's how you can write it down in your notes. Followers and fishers live by faith, not finances. We don't count the cost. The Bible makes it clear it's going to cost you everything. The Bible makes it very much more clear, though, that it's going to be worth it. God will never ask anything from you that won't be worth it in the end. When you get to go to 
heaven for an eternity. See Jesus. See all the people that he's impacted through you. I promise you, the last thing you're going to be thinking about is what you had to give up in order to follow Jesus. Trust him by faith. Get to work following and fishing. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for being here with us in this moment. For being the one that can change people's lives because of what you accomplish on our behalf. God, I just ask that you would encourage those that are here this morning who are discouraged. They know you, but they've been trying to pursue you and they've just gotten off path. God, I just ask that you realign their steps. Help them pursue you. Teach them how they can extend an invitation. Show them how they need to live by faith. Give them some areas, some next steps. Bring a person to mind who they can extend the invitation to right now, Jesus. As we continue to pray with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know there's others of you who have not been born again, to use our language from this morning. If that's you this morning, if you're here, you want to trust Jesus for the very first time, I would just ask you to, in your heart, pray this prayer with me. The Bible says, confess your sins and believe, and you will be saved. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. In your heart, just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry I've fallen short. I'm sorry I haven't lived how you wanted me to. But I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he died a death that was meant for me, but in turn rose from the dead. And now I can live. God, I thank you for that new life. I thank you for all the lives represented here. Help them each pursue you with greater intensity. Become a follower and a fisher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.